Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and joining this podcast with me. If you are listening to this episode, I appreciate the hell out of you. I appreciate the support you give me. You guys are the reasons why I'm still doing this. Um, There's a lot of interesting games this week, of course, being a Tuesday episode. It's going to be my normal recap episode. I'm going to talk about everything that happened in week 17, some of the playoff implications that are really important in some of these games, Um, some really stunning games in here, and then also some games where the better team didn't always win that day or the team that outplayed another team just happened to choke up in the fourth quarter or a team that you know, was heavily favored going into the game, really found a way to pull out the win at the end of the week. There was just a lot of very interesting games, um, a lot of games that I really didn't see out playing the way they did. Luckily for you guys, two of my best bets hit last week. The Titans covered easily. The Steelers won straight up against the Browns, just like I thought they would in Big Ben's uh, final game in Heinz Field. And then, of course, one game that didn't necessarily go the way I thought was the Texans-Niners game. Uh, I took the over in that game, and that game was very much under, um, 14 points under, I believe. So I whiffed on that one pretty hard, missed by a whole two touchdowns. But you know what? That happens to the best of us. Either way, there's a ton of interesting games to talk about. And before I get into any of that, I just want to talk about the future of professional sports talk and what I plan on doing this um, going forward, how I plan on doing this going forward, excuse me. Um, right now, uh, I guess I'm not exactly getting the viewership or streaming or, uh, following that I really thought that I'd be getting at this podcast by now. Um, you guys have been very interactive with me on Instagram, which I really do appreciate a lot of followers on there. That's one of the things that went really well. I think the giveaway went really well. There have been some bright spots through all this, but it's been hard to just continue to do this and find motivation to do this when I'm not getting nearly the listeners um, that I thought I would. Um, So we're going to play out this season and then I'm probably going to take a little break from all this. Um, I've already talked about this in a previous episode, but I've had a lot of personal issues going on. Um, I've had a lot to deal with in my life. Um, My mental health is obviously what's more important than anything. And it's very hard to motivate yourself to bring a podcast together when you're lacking motivation to even get out of your bed in the morning basic stuff like that. Um, I've had a really, really hard past couple of months. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of all that because I don't want this to be a pity party. I don't want this to be a guilt trip for people not listening to my podcast. It's not like my podcast is bringing me all these issues. Um, Again, I just have a lot going on in my life right now. Very busy. School is going to start up soon here again. Hopefully, we're not all back online, even though COVID is running rampant through the country. And I hope that anyone who is listening to this and is affected by that ends up being okay. I hope everyone's family is doing okay. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this. If you are a student, uh, most of you guys are enjoying a extended winter break or at least a winter break that started school online. Um, I hope that you're finding your classes are going okay. I hope that we can all end up back in person and back in session and we don't have to all go back online because i can attest i wasn't the biggest fan of online school i still not am the biggest fan of online school obviously it's situational from you know person to person um but i just really want our lives to be as closest to normal as it was before covid obviously if the cases keep rising and if people continue to be affected by this um i'm supportive of whatever measures we have to take. Um, 
I'm not saying I'm one way or another, and I'm not trying to make this political in any sense of the imagination. Um, I'm just saying that again, it's, uh, it's been a long couple of months. Um, I've had a really hard time finding motivations to do this. Um, any one of you guys who are supporting me through this, I really do appreciate. Um, but I guess the future of professional sports talk is just kind of up in the air right now. I'm trying to figure out if this is all worth it. It's been a fun ride. Again, I'm going to finish out the NFL season, probably take a couple weeks off, and then we're going to see where it goes from there. Um, again, just very unsure of what I'm going to do right now. And I hope you guys understand that. Um, if you guys do want to continue to see this content, the best way you can show that you want me to keep doing this is just by listening. Because again, I see all the statistics. I see not specifically who's listening, but I see how many people are listening. I see how far they listen to it through. And right now, like simply put, I'm just not getting the results I would have hoped this far into the season. I've been doing this for over four months now. And obviously great things come to those who are patient. And I'm trying to be as patient as I can. But again, when you just have so many other things going on in your life, so many other things, you know, bothering you in your headspace, it's very hard to find the motivation to keep doing this. And I'm not saying that it's dead, that this is going to end, that professional sports talk will never be a thing. Um, again, I'm going to finish out the season, but let's just say the future of professional sports talk after this NFL season is definitely in question and again the best way you guys can show me that you want me to keep doing this is just by listening by continuing to show me support on instagram by getting your feedback and viewership viewership is the number one thing for me if i don't get more streams in the next couple of episodes um i think i think i might have to end professional sports talk so it's all up to you guys it's all in your court i'm gonna leave that there and yeah you guys show me what you want and i'll reflect the same back to you and yeah, I guess with all that being said, uh, sorry for ranting for a little bit. I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from. It's not a place, again, I'm not trying to pity anyone. I'm not trying to seem like this is a guilt party for me or whatever, because I don't need any of that. Um, I'm not asking for any of that. I don't think that that's fair to you guys at all. And I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just saying that I've got a lot going on and I've got a hell of a lot to deal with mentally myself. Um, so it might not be the best decision for me to continue to do this and put all my energy into this when I'm not getting what I really looked forward to out of it. And I feel like I'm just putting a lot more in than I'm getting back right now. So we'll see. Hopefully things can turn around um, moving into the playoffs and covering the Super Bowl and all that type of stuff. Um, I'm going to be working as hard as I can, as motivated as I can be during this time. But again, I just, if you are listening to this, I appreciate the hell out of you. And all right, I think that's enough. I don't, again, want this to come off as just, just down or sad because at the end of the day, I'm still very glad I took this risk. I took this opportunity and it's still something that I can be proud of looking back on. Um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the content that I've been putting out as well. So let's get into some of the games. We're going to start in the 10 a.m. window. Let's start off by talking about my Bears versus the Giants. Um, the Giants are just an absolute crapshoot, let's be honest. Um, the Bears, I'm not saying, are, you know, not a, what am I trying to say? Not a crapshoot? I don't know. But uh, this was just two different, completely different teams with completely different vibes right now. I think the Bears moving forward should be an attractive spot for a head coach. Obviously, we've heard reports that Mad Nagy is expected to be done 
after this season, which I don't think surprises anyone in the entire NFL. And there are some pieces to like here. Obviously, you've got a young developing quarterback in just Justin Fields, who showed some promise. You've got some really damn good world-breaking pass rushers with Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and a defense that's still very stout, um, even if their secondary has some question marks. And then, obviously, the offensive line could use some work, but you've got a good running back. You've got a decent receiver in Darnell Mooney. Allen Robinson is likely going to move on after this offseason, but Ryan Pace has shown, I think he's probably going to stay around after this year. Uh, if not as a GM position, he's probably going to be repositioned in a different spot in the organization. And he's shown some ability to, you know, get late round steals, make some really good late round moves. Um, and I think that could translate to finding some receiver talent later in the draft. I really like, obviously this receiver draft class is nothing like the past two years but you can always find some decent receivers and some decent guys in later rounds even some undrafted free agents guys have showed up time and time again we've even seen it throughout this year guys like marcus calloway guys like uh wesley for the cardinals who's making some plays this weekend i believe he was like a six rounder or something like that he might have even been an undrafted free agent but my point is um there's a lot to look forward to with the bears going forward here and i think that a coach with decent qualifications i really hope will be interested in this job and there will be mutual interest between the bears front office and someone like that obviously i don't expect it to be a guy like sean payton a lot of bears fans really really want him to get there um, i've heard connections to jar hogrog from michigan i've heard connections to uh, ryan day i believe his name is from ohio state and the connection he has with justin fields um i don't think these would, those would be bad hires by any means um but Either way, what I'm trying to say is I think that a very qualified head coach should be interested in this job. It's not like there's just nothing to look forward to, and it's not like you have a completely trash roster. Obviously, cap space is a little bit of a problem, but I think it's more interesting than you know other teams that won't have a head coach like uh, like a Jags, like the Jags, excuse me, like um, I'm trying to think of some other teams that are in a similar boat there. Like uh, I mean, the Vikings are going to have some interest, of course. Um, I don't know. You get my point. I think there's some interest in the Bears there, and I think there is a serious chance for improvement in the future. As far as the Giants go, um, Joe Judge has really been talked about a lot after this game. He had a really terrible press conference saying that, you know, something about like this team is not a clown show, and then saying something um, basically just. He's not very well-spoken in his press conferences. I can't remember all the details of it right off the top of my head. Um, I didn't write the best notes for this. I should have prepared for this a little bit better. But again, um, he is, I think he's a good coach. I really do. I don't think he's terrible by any means, but I don't necessarily think he's the answer. And I don't really think he's a great leader. Um, one thing he did say in his press conference that I do have in my notes here was he was talking about how some guys are becoming free agents and how they want to come back and how they're constantly saying that they love the culture of the team and all this and that. And then he also gets calls from previous players that he coached and how they want to come back. Uh, he's getting calls as often as twice a week from guys. Uh, I'm going to be blunt. I don't know the ins and outs of an NFL office of an NFL, um, teams you know player decisions and all that type of stuff the gm what goes into that uh how often coaches talk to former players but i can't really imagine this to be true i just think that's kind of a far out there statement it kind of sounds like he's covering his ass it kind of sounds like he's trying to talk himself up because he knows his job is in jeopardy here and we'll see how that works out for him i just don't really like the approach that he took there and i think that 
a lot of other coaches wouldn't have taken that approach. And I think that for good reason, they, they wouldn't have done that. So the Giants are just playing absolutely crap football. Um, ever since Daniel Jones went down, it's just been very, very ugly week in and week out. And I think that's kind of proving that Daniel Jones, while he's not necessarily creating a lot of solutions, that doesn't mean he's creating a lot of problems either. Of course, his turnover problem is absolutely talked about, but he's better than what they're working with right now. And I think that's still a little telling. That's still, at least their offense is competent when he's on the field, if you know what I mean. He's not a perfect quarterback. He's still young. And I'm not sure if he's going to be the future there, but he's better than what they've got going now. And yeah, neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs. Both of these teams are going to have top five and six round, or sorry, excuse me, top five or six picks in the first round of this NFL draft. Of course, the Giants get both of those because of the Justin Fields trade last year. And one thing I want to say, one more thing I want to say about this game before I move on is good for Robert Quinn. He broke the Bears single season sack record. And that's no joke that Bears, they're, they're historical. They're known for their defense. They're known for being up, like tough as hell. Uh, I believe he broke Richard Dent's record. So good for Robert Quinn. I was talking about him a lot before the season started and how he needed to step up his game because we fed him a very, very large contract. I believe it was five years, 70 something million. Either way, it was, it was actually, no, it was more than that. It was like, I don't know. Point is that we gave him a huge contract and he wasn't really living up to expectations. And this year he absolutely exceeded them, even with Khalil Mack being gone, which I think is more impressive in its own right, because Khalil obviously draws the attention of a lot of defenses. I was expecting Robert to slow down once Khalil got injured, and that was not the case at all. He just continued to excel, continued to prove why he's still an elite pass rusher in this league. So good for him. Um, I, Of course, he's still under contract for a long time to come. I hope he can keep this pace up. And again, just talking about him and Khalil Mack on that line for at least the next few years to come is going to be very exciting to watch if both of those guys can stay healthy. Moving on to the next game, I'm just going to quickly talk about this one because there's not too much to say here. Jaguars versus Patriots. The Patriots absolutely decimate the Jaguars. Um, I probably should have made this one of my best bets. I just, you know, when it, it was a 17 and a half point spread going into it. And you guys know that I specialize in those spread picks that I really like to focus on those. I don't really like to take money lines in games where the spread is this long. Um, I just think it's kind of a cheap way out. And yeah, the I mean... These teams are just completely different classes in terms of coaching, in terms of personnel. Uh, I do really do feel bad for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think that he probably should have exercised that option to just deny the team the ability to take him. I think he probably should have pulled a John Elway and just said no, or an Eli Manning and just said no, because this team is just extremely dysfunctional right now. I really hope they get a capable coach in there that can develop Trevor Lawrence and because there are some things to like here. I don't think their roster is completely terrible. Um, one thing I do hate is I don't know why they're still force-feeding Laquan Treadwell. I think it's shown time and time again he's not a star receiver in this league. But regardless, I mean, there's again, there's just not much to say here. Just complete out-coach on every level. Just complete out-scheme. Um, poor Trevor Lawrence. I hope he can get a better coach in Jacksonville. And the Patriots, they still have a shot of winning the division. But the Bills play the Jets next week, and if they win that game, then it's practically over. And I think the Patriots, I forget who they play off the top of my head, but they've got a they've got an easy game next week. So we're most more than likely going to see a rematch of the Patriots and the Bills in the playoffs in Buffalo again. That should be an extremely fun game to watch, and 
it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. I'm more looking forward to that game. Move, you know, looking two weeks forward to that game, I'm more excited than them playing the Jets, uh, the Bills, that is, and the Patriots playing. You know, I'm just going to check really quick because it's kind of driving me nuts. The Dolphins, that's right. Sorry, I couldn't remember. Um, I expect both those teams to win and win big. And yeah, just more so looking forward to their playoff game once they inevitably do face each other. Next game I'm going to quickly talk about is the Los Angeles Rams versus the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Ravens, I was very, very impressed with this game and how they played this game. Uh, I was expecting them to be blown out. I just thought it was a complete mismatch as far as the Ravens secondary and the Rams weapons on the outside. But of course, my biggest takeaway from this game is Matthew Stafford and his continuing struggle and it's really ironic that before the season, you know, we saw Matthew Stafford as this huge upgrade over Jared Goff. And I still think he is, don't get me wrong, but he's been a lot of their problems the past few weeks. And basically everything for the Rams is going right. Their defense is playing really, really good football. Their run game is getting going very well. Their weapons, despite Matthew Stafford, have flashed at times, including that move they made for OBJ, who was extremely impactful in this game. He had that huge fourth down catch at the end of this game. Uh, just a great catch, like completely off his body, just very strong hands, looked like old OBJ. And then he had a touchdown in this game, I believe, as well. Um, so those guys are really flashing, but it was very concerning to see Matthew Stafford throw some of these picks. That one he threw on the deep, I believe it was a deep post route. He just kind of fucking hucked it up there. Chuck Clark got that second interception. And it's just a boneheaded mistake. I don't know why he's trying to force the ball into that situation. And we've seen that a couple times from him. And I really don't understand why he keeps doing it. You'd think that's the type of mistake that, you know, a rookie quarterback would make. That Those are the type of mistakes we saw Justin Fields making a lot earlier in the year. It, one thing that really stands out to me was Darnell Mooney double covered um, in Soldier Field playing the Packers and Adrian Amos just basically tracked the ball down, tracked it like a receiver and picked it off. It looked like it could have been thrown to him. It looked like he could have been the wide receiver on that play. Just gave very similar vibes to that. So just a very different feeling for Matthew Stafford, you know, has been in the league, I believe 12 years now. I believe he was drafted in 09 and a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields. And I'm not saying in any sense of the imagination that Justin Fields and Matthew Stafford's are on the same plane. Matthew Stafford's just a much better quarterback than that at this point in his career. But it's weird to see a veteran quarterback make mistakes like that and nearly throw this game away. The Ravens had a lot of opportunities to win this game. And again, I think one thing worth talking about is the fact that Matthew Stafford's not playing his best football and they're still winning games like this. I think you can be encouraged by that a little bit, but if he continues to play like this, you can't expect to beat the teams in the NFC, such as the Cardinals, such as the Cowboys, such as the Buccaneers, the Packers, obviously. That Those types of mistakes, if you're just giving them free possessions like that, you're not going to be able to climb out of that hole. I don't care how good your team is. These other teams in the NFC are just too talented. They're too deep. And you're not going to be able to make mistakes like that and expect to pull off a win continuously. Um, but yeah, I got to give some credit to the Ravens. They've been fighting hard all year. They've obviously been hit with the injury bug almost harder than any team in the NFL. They've gotten a lot of COVID this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't been healthy in about four weeks, I believe. So got to give credit where credit is due. They've been fighting their ass off. Um, you guys know how highly I think of Harbaugh and they're going to be just fine in the future here. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, there's still a shot. I believe I don't think they're completely dead, but it's one of those, if this happens and then that happens and then that happens, they're get in. So I wouldn't expect too much of playoff football for the Ravens, but again, it's not like 
the Ravens fans are hitting the panic button. They're in good hands. They're going to get their guys healthy for next year. And they still have a lot to look forward to in the future with some of their young talent there. Next game I'm going to quickly talk about again is Tampa Bay versus the New York Jets. This was one of the most surprising games in the early window. The Jets really looked like the better team. And Zach Wilson was playing one of the best games of his career. It just... It, Chris Sims said it pretty well. It was a laser show. It was Zach Wilson was making some really damn good plays. He had a lot of zip on the football, um, and the Buccaneers just couldn't seem to get it get it together offensively. Uh, they really, really do miss Chris Godwin. Some of these injuries are really going to catch up to him. I am getting pretty concerned about this one. And, of course, the biggest story about this game, because at the end of the day, the Buccaneers did end up pulling out the W, uh, as concerning as it was that they were down by 14 to the Jets at one point. The biggest story of this game, of course, being Antonio Brown with his tantrum, uh, taking off all of his gear, throwing them into the stands, and then going over to the end zone while the game is still going on, chanting out the crowd, hyping them up, and then being cut immediately after the game. And then now he's apparently... You know, courtside in Brooklyn uh, as of yesterday, I believe that was um, Monday night, I believe that was. Um, so it's just a really, really weird situation. Um, I can't say that I wasn't totally expecting this. Um, not of this magnitude, not of this, you know, drama, but at the end of the day, it is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown brings drama. Um, I think it was overdue for this to happen. And I seriously think that that pissed off Tom Brady so much that they turn around and win this game. Who knows? It's Tom Brady. He's the best competitor to ever play a sport um, outside of a couple guys like Kobe, Michael Jordan. Not the point. My point is um, this was overdue. This was supposed to happen. Uh, my dog is barking, so I'm going to get him to shut up and I'll keep talking about this in just a second. Sorry about that, guys. Anyways, Antonio Brown being a diva. Um, I think it was overdue. I've heard a lot of different stories about what actually happened um i've heard some hypotheses about it all i heard there was incentives on his contract that if he got over a certain number of yards he was going to get big pay boosts and he wasn't on pace to get those pay boosts i've heard about that i've also heard it had to do with his ankle and that he wasn't completely healthy and there was a dispute with the medical training staff um either way it really doesn't matter the point is he this happened he's career is likely over i doubt that another team is going to take a shot at him and it's really unfortunate to see because at the end of the day no matter how crazy he is or how much help he needs or what he's dealing with mentally um he's an extraordinary talent and it's going to be a bummer to not see him on the football field again because again i really don't think he's going to end up back on a team i really think his nfl career is over and at the end of the day you got to be upset about that because he is a phenomenal talent. He's one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I grew up watching Antonio Brown. I remember watching Antonio Brown making absolutely spectacular, ridiculous catches. He has one of the most historical seasons of all time. I believe it was 2017, 2018, where he had his 1,800-yard season. He was in the MVP conversation that year. Um, so, again, it's just really sad to see it work out this way. I was really hoping for a happy ending, but again... I can't say I'm surprised as much as it does suck and I do feel bad for the whole situation. Not necessarily that I feel bad for the person because I think in a lot of ways he's created his own problems, but the whole situation as a whole, just for the Buccaneers, for Tom Brady, for their playoff and Super Bowl aspirations, because let's be honest here, when Antonio Brown was on the field, 
he was their best receiver. At least in my opinion, he was their best receiver. Um, and so that's a huge hit to that football team. And I think it really is concerning going forward. And I think it's going to cause a lot of issues for them in the playoffs, not having Chris Godwin, not having Antonio Brown. Uh, hopefully playoff Lenny can come back healthy. But it's basically just Mike Evans and a bunch of everybody else's. And that's the exact reason why Tom Brady got out of New England in the first place. So it's just really shitty to see. And I really hope the Buccaneers will be all right because, I mean, honestly, nah, I, I really don't give a fuck. Let's be honest. I'm not a Bucs fan or anything like that. But what I'm trying to say is I don't want to see a team just fall apart in this way. I don't want to see drama uh, between a player and an organization just pretty much kill a team's playoff hopes. And, of course, they're still alive, but I think it really does diminish them, and I think it really does affect this team in a lot of ways. Moving on to the next game, though. This was the game of the week, in my opinion. This was the most fun watch I had. This was the Chiefs versus the Bengals. This was the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase show. Jamar Chase absolutely took over this game. Um, he is incredible, just absolutely phenomenal. That catch he had where he caught the ball on like a little slant route and then looked like he was about to get tackled for about six yards, just put a move on one guy and then absolutely burned everyone in the secondary. And it was like a 66 yard. I actually, I don't know how many yards it was. I think it was like around there. No, it wasn't that far. Sorry guys. I'm fucking all over the place today, but either way it was his absolute show. It was just amazing to see what him and Joe Burrow are doing together. And of course now the conversation becomes who is the rookie of the year. I think a lot of people are swaying towards Jamar chase with that historical day. He broke the Bengals record for most receiving yards in a game um they've had some obviously incredible receivers there um and yeah i mean i gotta say it was just really really fun to watch football it the Bengals, i believe were down by 10 at one point maybe down by 14 um something like that and Oh, it was 11, I think it was. I think it was 28-17 at one point, if I'm not mistaken. I believe at the end of the half, it was 28-17. And then the Bengals' defense just turned it on. The Chiefs' offense completely stalled out. They only scored three points in the entire second half. And just an extremely impressive win for the Bengals. A team win overall, but of course, most of the credit has to be given to Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, who just took over this game. And they're looking like this is going to be an extremely fun combination to watch for the, hopefully the next 10 years plus. Hopefully they can keep both these guys around. I can't imagine what it would take for them to not pay as much as they want to these two guys with the level they're playing right now. And I don't really expect it to slow down. Obviously, Jamar Chase being in his first year and being this much of a highlight reel, being this much of just a uh, star level receiver, um, I just really don't see how this is going away and speaking of which this hopefully we can see these guys in the playoffs if not this year for many years to come because again this is just must watch tv between mahomes and burrow and what these teams and the directions they're going in and what these offenses can do what these defenses can do at times because obviously the chiefs defense was the talk of the town going into this game and the Bengals defense looked like a mess for the first two quarters and then they really turned it around of course the chiefs offense kind of stumbled over their own feet and helped them out a little bit. But regardless, it was an amazing game. I'm really, really excited to see the future of these two teams. And all I can say is the Bengals have to be taken very, very seriously by any team in the AFC. They can compete with anybody. And it was just such a huge statement game for them. So very happy for them. Um, I think they are lucky they caught them at home. But hey, everyone needs a little bit of luck for them to win a Super Bowl. Everyone needs a little bit of luck for them to win in the NFL. Winning the NFL is extremely hard. So again... 
you just got to give credit where it's due and they deserve all the credit in the world for this one. Um, for those who are saying that Zach Taylor should be in the conversation for coach of the year, I don't really hop on that take. I think there are a lot of other coaches that are very worthy of it, but we'll get to that in a second. Actually, let's just talk about it right now. Let's talk about this game. We're going to talk about the Titans versus the Dolphins. Um, this was an extremely ugly game for Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I think all the people who are really on the Tua bandwagon are slowly hopping off. I really don't think he's the future there, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I've just I feel like I've seen enough. Obviously, his offensive line isn't doing any favors for him. They're a very bad unit who doesn't give him a lot of time to throw. But it's just his decision-making isn't there. He had one really good throw in this one for, I believe it was like 55 yards through the air. If you take that throw away in this game, he finishes with 17 for 37 with 150 yards and a pick. That is just absolutely awful. His average depth of target is damn near the bottom of the league. Um, he is just a very limited quarterback and a very limited offense. And obviously there's a lot of other things that can go better for him in this offense. You could get him some better weapons, but Jalen Waddle's amazing. You could get him a better O-line. Um, but I mean, I don't know. We've, we've seen other quarterbacks work with equally shitty situations or even less and be a lot better when they're just amazing. And Tua is just a very limited quarterback. His decision-making isn't there. His accuracy isn't really there from what we saw in college. Um, I just, I do feel bad for the guy. I'm not, I would never root on someone's downfall. Um, I didn't really know what to think of him too much in college because I thought the system for him was just so perfect and everything around him was just so good. But again, I mean, Mac Jones had the perfect system and he translated very well into the NFL level. Obviously being in Belichick's scheme just helped him tremendously, but I don't know. I think the excuses for Tua are kind of up at this point. I don't think Tua should be the guy going forward there. And as far as the Tennessee Titans go, this is why I started talking about coach of the year. And then I immediately wanted to shift this game. Mike Vrabel needs to be coach of the year. Two weeks ago, I was just talking about how Bill Belichick should be it. But Mike Vrabel, my God, they've had just as many COVID issues and just as many injuries to key guys, like key, key, key contributors on both defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball as far as Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones has barely played like all year long. And they are now the one seed in the AFC. They just continue to find ways to win, to find ways to be at the top of the AFC. And you got to give them a lot of credit there, especially with how important that first round buy is considering there's only one this year. I think Mike Vrabel has to be coach of the year. Um, assuming they win next week and don't slip up, who do they play next week? Yeah, they play the Texans. They obviously, they already lost to the Texans earlier this year. I don't really expect something like that to happen again. Um, no matter how impressed I am with Davis Mills recently, who, by the way, is playing better than Tua. Just <laughs> sorry, Dolphins fans. You guys hate me. Um, <laughs> but it's true. It's so true. Davis Mills has showed a lot of promise. He really has. Look at some of his film. He's making some really, really good decisions. He's making some really good throws. He's got amazing placement on the ball. Um, that throw he had... That touchdown throw he had to Brandon Cooks. Uh, watch the placement on that ball. Go back and watch that a couple times because the, when you watch it live on TV, it really doesn't look like shit. It's just like, oh, like he, he just zipped it up the middle and Brandon Cooks was on um, Fred Warner. Like, obviously, that's going to happen. But if you have 
NFL Game Pass or a way to watch it from above, like the All-22 version, watch that pass. That placement was perfect. The way he put it on his back shoulder. Okay, I'm getting very carried away. I was not talking about the Texans at all. I was talking about the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans absolutely whoop the shit out of the Dolphins. Uh, the, the Dolphins are very lucky they didn't get shut out in this game. They're very lucky to have gotten a field goal. And, I mean, just listen to these stats from the Titans. Ryan Tannehill only threw the ball 18 times. He was 13 for 18, efficient enough, 120 yards, only 120 yards and two touchdowns. Da- Deontay Foreman was looking a lot like Derrick Henry in this game. I need a sneeze, so I'm going to pause this really quick so you guys don't hear it. All right, got it out of me. I'm not saying Deontay Foreman is at all Derrick Henry, but it's their identity, right? They're running the ball first. He had 26 carries. Uh, Dontre Hilliard himself had eight carries. Jeremy McNichols had two more carries on there, and they all had very healthy averages. Deontay Foreman with by far and away the most carries, 5.1 yards and a touchdown, 332, 5.1 yards per per rush, excuse me, 132 yards and a touchdown. Dontrell Hilliard, 5.6 yards on average, 45 yards and a touchdown. And Jeremy McNichols with only two touches, seven yards a touch. So just extremely efficient, extremely physical. Um, They had a lot of really, really good. The game just kind of got so far away from the Tennessee Titans. They found a lot of their success at keeping all those guys on the line, confusing the quarterbacks of what they're going to do. But that doesn't really work when you get so far behind. You kind of need to adjust your game plan. You can't just stack the box like that every single time and then drop back in coverage and make it all confusing. And even when they were, and even times where it looked like they could have pulled that off in times in the game, the Tennessee Titans just out-physicaled them. They ran the ball efficiently. There was big holes for these running backs to run through. And again, I'm just extremely impressed with what I'm seeing with this team. They're a hard-nosed snot. What the fuck was I? Snot? They're a hard-nosed what am I trying to say? Like, there's something, there's another expression for that. Whatever. They're a hard-nosed football team. Just fucking ignore me. Um, hard-nosed football team. They're really playing how their coach wants them to play. It's very obvious they're bought into the system. They're, they can physically outmatch any team in football. And this team, with Derrick Henry coming back, hopefully with A.J. Brown being 100%, Julio Jones hopefully can get back from that hamstring. I don't think this is a team you want to face in the AFC after a good week's rest and a solid plan for whoever they're going to face and i'm very excited to see what this team can do in the playoffs and i really hope they do make a little bit of a push here because i think they deserve it uh, with all the adversity they face and with still being the one seed in the afc it's just extremely impressive what they are doing all right moving on to let's talk about the raiders versus the colts i was extremely surprised by this game uh obviously a lot of other people were. Um, I have to say, just so impressed with the Raiders. So impressed with the Raiders interim head coach that I can't remember his goddamn name of. But I think he needs to get a lot more attention of being the head coach next year for the Raiders. Simply because they've been in so many of these close games and they've pulled a lot of them off. And to be in the playoff conversation with all the turmoil they've faced during the season with all between John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, we know all that. Now Nate Hobbs getting his DUI. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with that. But regardless, they've beat some teams they really shouldn't have beaten this year. They're still in the playoff conversation, despite they're a far less talented team than a lot of the teams they face, including this Colts team here, which had Carson Wentz good to go. And Carson Wentz, by the way, played terribly. Not that Derek Carr played his best game, but he showed up when it mattered. And I think that's what's most important, obviously. And, um, 
Hunter Renfro was incredible. Zay Jones stepped up. It's just really cool to see a lot of these weapons on the perimeter. Uh, obviously, Renfro and Zay Jones being the biggest of which step up with guys like Ruggs being out, with guys like Darren Waller being out. And Derek Carr has to be given a lot of credit for this one. He's a great leader. It's obvious that these guys are very bought into him. It's very obvious that these guys believe in him. And he's got this clutchness about him that I don't think people give him enough credit for. I don't think people realize uh, what he's doing. And I've got to say, I was totally wrong about the Raiders. I thought they were going to be a crapshoot of a team. And right now, they're in serious contention for a playoff spot. They play the Chargers next week at home. That is a huge, huge, huge game. I cannot wait to watch that game. It's going to be so exciting to watch those teams duke it out. And I just can't wait. I just can't wait. Um, I guess one more thing about this game is this is the first game where Jonathan Taylor ran for over 100 yards and they still lost. Um I think, again, that's just telling to coaching. I, I really do. Because Frank Reich was one of my Coach of the Year candidates. Um, I, he's absolutely phenomenal. I love what he's been doing for this team and all they've dealt with and how they've come back from starting the year one and four. But, again, I've like this interim head coach for the Raiders, who fucking I can't remember the name of right now for some fucking reason. Sorry. He needs to get attention for being the coach next year. I think that this team likes him. I think that they're bought in. Um, the fact that they keep finding ways to win games like this is just extremely telling to what he's doing there in Las Vegas. So good for Las Vegas. Um, very weird team to figure out, but either way, they're fighting. They're fighting hard, and this team against the Chargers is going to be must-watch television, people. I'm telling you, it's going to be so fun. All right, next game. Honestly, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about this game because I fully expected the Eagles to beat Washington. I'm more going to talk about what happened after the game. That railing fiasco where the railing almost fell on Jalen Hurts. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just look up FedEx Field fans fall. I don't know. FedEx Field railing. You can probably just type that in and it'll pop up. That was so sketchy. Like, what if that actually landed on Jalen? Jalen took it like a champ. Those fans that fell like eight, eight feet were obviously wasted because they just propped right up. They took it like champs, and then they were just stoked to be right next to their franchise quarterback, um, or maybe not franchise quarterback, depending on how you look at it. But that could have been so bad. What, if, like, seriously? What if that thing fell on his leg? What if that tore his ACL? What if that broke his ankle? Like, that would be a serious problem. Washington would be in serious trouble. Someone in that organization, someone in that facility, fucked up. You can't say that's just a normal. How does that happen? That's so unacceptable. It's like, it's it's such a metaphor for the Washington football team as a whole and Dan Snyder and everything that's happened between his emails and then the NFL pushing under the rug. I have a feeling that Washington's gonna, just going to push this under the rug. But seriously, how does that, how can that happen? This is a professional sports team worth probably some odd billion dollars. And there was almost a catastrophic disaster that could have cost another team season. It's just, it's unbelievable that it happened the way it did. It's unbelievable to see that. I don't think enough people are talking about it. And I'm just so glad that Jalen's all right. I'm so glad that that railing didn't fall again on his leg or his ankle or his shoulder or his head or whatever it could have been. And everyone looked like they were all right there, but that was a very scary scene. And honestly, it was more impactful than this game. Um, I guess talking about the game a little bit, the Eagles kind of did what they did last week against the Giants. They just looked really sluggish and slow to start out. And then the Washington football team just kind of shot themselves in the foot. Couldn't really do a whole lot of offensively. They, uh, 
the Eagles woke up a little bit. Taylor Heineke threw a pick in this one that was pretty impactful. And they found a way to win the game. Um, just a very ugly game. Uh, looking like this team is going to make the playoffs. And probably that's about the extent of it. They're going to make the playoffs and then lose in the first round. Sorry, Eagles fans. It's just how it goes. But Nick Sirianni has a lot to look forward to going forward. I think Eagles fans should be excited about what they have in the future. And yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that game. Moving on to, let's see, what games do I want to talk about? I really want to talk about, honestly, the rest of the games don't really matter because I don't really see any of these teams that as legitimate playoff contenders uh, outside of the Chargers. I think, again, I mean, the Chargers beat the Broncos. Drew Locke was playing in this game. He did not look particularly well. He got injured in this game. A backup came in. Uh, they could do nothing offensively. And Justin Herbert continues to just look like a superstar. Not much to say there. Texans Niners. Um, people are t- talking up Trey Lance a lot and saying that he looks pretty good. I don't think he did. Uh, I, I know I'm a fucking hater. I know that I sound bitter. And I know that I have been kind of talking down Trey Lance all season and I'm sorry for that guys I'm just saying it how I see it and he is still not NFL ready and it's really concerning because it's looking like it's going to have to be him going to the playoffs the one benefit of that is a lot of teams don't have film on him a lot of teams don't really know how to defend that side of the Shanahan system because he hasn't really unleashed the whole thing but as a passer I mean I'm just not very impressed he's got a fucking cannon I'll give you that he throws a laser but sometimes he doesn't know when to slow that thing down and there's a lot of drops uh that was seen in this game sorry if you guys can't tell I'm I'm pretty sick I'm a little, I'm a little congested hence the sniffles but yeah, he just needs to tone it down a little bit on some of those throws. There's a lot of drops on receivers that aren't receivers' faults at all. He's just he's whizzing balls in there way too fast. Um, he looks like a pitcher out there in baseball. But, yeah, I'm just not really impressed with what I'm seeing yet. I really thought that we were going to see a lot more of this run game get going. I really thought the Houston that Houston was going to have a lot more success on offense, and that's why I thought that this was going to be one of those over games. I really thought this was going to be like a, a 30 three to like 20 type game but whatever that didn't end up happening that ended up being the seahawks lions game where you know russell wilson just lit it up but i'm not going to talk about that game because that game honestly has no significance whatsoever um but this game does have some significance because the niners again are most likely going to be going into the playoffs with trey lance under center and to me that's that's very concerning uh i don't think that that's going to play into their hands very well especially next week playing against the rams um and if they beat the Rams next week, then the Cardinals still have a shot of winning the NFC West, which I don't think is going to happen because, again, I just – I didn't really like what I saw from Trey Lance. I really don't. Um, and he's taking way too many hits. Like the first drive of the game, he got lit up on like a couple of hits, and that type of shit just makes me – I know he's a big, strong guy, and he can take it, but we said that about Cam Newton, right? And now look at him. You know what I mean? So it's just – I don't know. It's concerning. I'm a little worried about the Trey Lance era moving forward. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with Jimmy G because I think they have to bring him back next year. And it's just so weird to think that they spent all that draft capital on Trey Lance. And he's probably not going to be the starter by the time next year rolls around. And they're also paying Jimmy G a small fortune. So just a really weird situation. And I've never been able to get on board from the second they made that move. And I'm still not on board with it now. So 
Sorry, guys. Sorry, Niners fans. I know you guys fucking hate me. Shout out, Nick. If you're 43 minutes into this podcast and you know I'm still talking shit about your your 49ers, yeah, well, sorry, bro. Next game I'm going to talk about is the Cardinals versus the Cowboys. This was also a really, really, really interesting game. Um, the Cardinals defense was really the storyline here. Uh, Kyler Murray wasn't really on his best game. It wasn't really the Kyler Murray show. Uh, he wasn't really the difference maker in this game. It was more so just the Cardinals played a really sound game and Cliff Kingsbury coached it pretty well. I got to give him credit. I think most of the credit, again, has to be given to their defense. Their defense played phenomenal. Uh, Isaiah Simmons was all over the place. He had that really, really clutch fumble at the end of the game. Um, they were getting consistent pressure on Dak Prescott and Buda Baker was all over the place. So again, I was just really impressed with this ultimate team win. Uh, really good to see them bounce back in a big way like this because obviously they were in a little bit of a spiral. A lot of people were doubting them. I was really excited to see what the Cowboys were going to do in this one because they've got this all-world defense and they really put it together uh, on offense last week. So I really thought the Cardinals were going to continue to slip up in this game. But good for them to pull it all together. Good for their defense. Um, their offense pulled through when they needed them most. Uh, that receiver, uh, is it Antoine Wesley? I don't remember his first name. I know his last name's Wesley. He had some really, really big plays in this one. Um, he kind of filled in that DeAndre Hopkins role. Not that he is DeAndre Hopkins, but he had a couple of really, really clutch touchdowns, one of which he just climbed the ladder on a DB and basically mossed him. Really impressive stuff there from Wesley. And Michael Parsons just continues to be all over the field as far as the Cowboys go. Um, Dak Prescott played a very clean game outside that one uh, fumble. But again, the Cardinals defense just found a way to slow down the Cowboys running offense. Uh, Zeke had nine carries for only 16 yards. That's a 1.8 yard average. Tony Pollard had three carries for nine yards. Obviously three, three yard average if you can do quick maths. Um, just really impressive uh, from the Cardinals point of view. Really unimpressive from the Cowboys point of view I really thought their run game would get going a little more in this one and I didn't even think I, I said actually I guess I didn't preview this game that was no I'm I'm literally making shit up I was about to say I, I said that we're gonna hear Zayvon Collins name more but I totally realized that was the Colts game I didn't do a preview episode last week never mind y'all um point is Cardinals bounced back in a huge way. Cliff Kingsbury coached a very good game. Um, I wasn't too impressed with the Cowboys play calling in this one. Just a really clean football game um, from both sides of the ball. Or excuse me, from both sides of the field. Both both. What am I trying to say? Both teams. Jesus Christ, dude. I need to sleep. Um, and yeah, I mean, time of possession for the Cardinals was a little bit more in their favor. That really ended up being the difference. And of course... They had the same amount of punts, I believe. No, the Cardinals had three punts. The Cowboys had four punts. Sorry, I'm pulling up all the stats now. And yeah, that fumble for the Cowboys really did make a huge difference in this one. Great play by Isaiah Simmons there once again. And the Cowboys really looked like they were going to mount a comeback in this one. They put up 15 points in the fourth quarter, but it ended up just not being not just a... Wait, what the fuck, dude? Holy, I need sleep. Being barely not enough i'll just say that that's a terrible way to put it but whatever yeah so i guess that's all i have to say about that game there i don't think i need to talk about the packers vikings uh i couldn't believe kellen mon didn't get the start in this one sean Mannion was so bad in this game all i literally all i could think about while i was watching this game is how bad 
is Kellen Mond. Like, how bad has he been playing in training camp? How little faith does this coaching half, coaching staff have in him that they were putting a guy out there in his seventh season that's never thrown a touchdown pass in the NFL? It was just mind-boggling. Like, and I liked Kellen Mond. I really did. I thought that, I don't know, maybe I'm just too much of a listener to Chris Sims and all his content, but I bought in. I watched his film. He had a huge arm. He was pretty mobile. His decision-making wasn't great, and he was kind of like that gunslinger. But I don't know. I saw a lot of – what's a good comparison? I saw a lot of like Herbert or Mahomes from him coming out of co- – not Mahomes. That's a little bit much. I saw a lot of Herbert. Yeah, we'll just say Herbert um, coming out of college. I mean, he missed some throws. He had – issues with intermediate passing he had a little bit of a decision making problem but he had all the attributes if he was coached up well enough to be a good starting quarterback in the nfl at least i thought and so when the vikings took him i was honestly upset as a bears fan because i thought that you know if kirk ends up not working out if kirk ends up not being the answer there which i think he is or he wants to move on, or the team wants to move on from him, they'll be just fine if Kellen Mond's there. And he didn't end up playing this game. And Sean Mannion looked absolutely terrible. So again, it just leads me back to how bad is Kellen Mond. And I don't know, go watch his college film. Let me know if you guys think differently, but I really liked him coming out of the draft. And I really thought it was a good pick by the Vikings when they did that. So kind of sad to see him not on the field and not panning out the way I would have hoped. Next game and the final game I'm going to talk about because this is a longer episode um, is the Browns versus the Steelers. Obviously, the headline of this game is Big Ben's last game in Heinz Field. Um, Even if they do make the playoffs, they're going to make it as a wild card, so they won't have a home game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is just like it was an ugly game, but it was just the signature Steelers rally around Ben game. That's all I could really think about the Steelers defense was all over Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield finally admitted after this game that he probably needs to shut it down. He probably needs to get surgery. He probably shouldn't be playing, which, you know, is fucking, I don't know, 10 weeks too late. But at least he's finally coming to those senses. I think it's pretty much over for him in Cleveland. I think they're probably going to move on from him in the offseason, try to bring a veteran guy in. Um, I don't know if they already picked up his fifth-year option. I'm kind of forgetting off the top of my head. But regardless... um, in a way, I feel bad for him, but in a way, I don't at all because I really think he dug his own grave in a lot of ways there. And I don't know. I just think his decision-making of how poor it is was on full display in this game, both on the field and off the field, dealing with his injuries and, of course, his decisions to throw the ball. He had some ugly picks in this one. And it's not like Big Ben went out in some heroic Kobe Bryant 60-point you know, goodbye. That wasn't the case at all. But at least he... Uh, he got what he wanted. You know what I mean? They got, they pulled out with the W. TJ Watt looks absolutely fucking unstoppable. This defensive line pulled up huge for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just got to be impressed with this Steelers win. Not much going offensively outside of Najee Harris, who just looks so much like a young Le'Veon Bell. He's so strong. He's so patient. He can be explosive when he needs to be. He's got that nasty stiff arm. I believe he had on uh, MJ Stewart. And then Nick Chubb had his own stiff arm later in the game on uh i don't remember but look up both their stiff arms if you haven't already, if you haven't seen them already that was fucking nasty that was extremely fun to watch both of these running backs are going to be very good for a long time to come i hope Najee can get some more offensive line help and um, both for the quarterback who's going to be coming in to replace big men and also for him to get some more running lanes because i seriously think if this team gets a good offensive line and a veteran quarterback they're going to be right back in playoff contention next year i really do think that they have 
all the weapons. They've got Claypool. They've got Friar Move. They've got Deontay Johnson still there. Najee Harris is an excellent back, as you guys know. And that defense is still going to be so good. TJ Watt is still there. Cameron Hayward is still there. Minka Fitzpatrick's going to be there. Joe Hayden's going to be there. They still have all the things on paper. They just need to bolster that offensive line. And I think if they do bolster this offensive line, it's going to be more attractive for veteran quarterbacks to move in because obviously these older guys like the Matt Ryans, like the Aaron Rodgers, like the Russell Wilsons, they don't want to go to a place where they're going to get beat the crap out of and they're going to hinder their career in the long run. They want to go to a place where they can win now. They want to go to a place where they can stand upright. They can get the big numbers. They can prove to their old team that they still have it and this and that. So bolster that offensive line Pittsburgh and you guys are going to be set for a long time to come. Of course, Mike Tomlin gets the win in this one as well. It's not just a team win. It's also a coach win. And that marks him as the 15th season and 15 seasons in a row, actually, um, never having a season below 500. So just an amazing feat by him. Got to give him so much credit. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL. And Big Ben said it perfectly. Uh, it's kind of the story of his career. It wasn't always pretty, but they found a way to win. And that's exactly what this was. And the Browns have a lot of question marks going into this offseason as they've got to be one of the more, if not the most disappointing team in 2021 uh 2021 2022 i guess i that feels weird um i had a huge expectations for this team i really thought this team was going to com be competing for a super bowl berth this team has everything and now that they're likely going to finish the year what seven and ten who are they playing next week let's look really quick i mean they're seven and nine now either way oh yeah they're playing the Bengals. oh god yeah and the Bengals have a lot to play for and the browns have nothing to play for so yeah they're probably going to finish this year seven and ten after all those high hopes they had it's just a really disappointing way to see them you know end out the year and see this play out as a whole it's just a really disappointing season for the browns i really hope they can get it together quickly and I'm sorry, Baker, but I think you're out of there after this year. I hope he can find a home as a backup, as a viable backup somewhere, but I don't really see him as a starter in the NFL going forward. Hopefully I'm wrong. Again, I'm not wishing upon anyone's downfall. I'm not wishing upon anyone's demise or anything like that. I'm not like that. Um, I just don't really see how his future works here in Cleveland. All right, guys, that's going to be it for me this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode again. If you guys do enjoy the episode, be sure to share with your friends and family. Be sure to get, get those listens up. The best way for me to know that I should keep doing this going forward after this NFL season is just by listening to this podcast, by giving me good feedback on Instagram, by, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, just, just listen to my podcast. That's the best thing you can do for me right now. Um, and it's going to make me feel a lot more confident. It's going to make me feel a lot better about continuing to do this because, again, I am putting a lot of work into these things, and I don't feel like I'm getting quite the results back as I'm putting into it. And um, yeah, I know I, I, good things come to those who are patient. So I'm trying to stay as patient as I can with it, but it's just very hard to see the end of the road right now. All right, guys. So that's going to be it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and peace out. Have a great day.